Over the last few months, we have been identifying and profiling a range of different voices. Last time we had Rick Hill, and tonight we have Shane Bell. Um, Shane Bell, if you want to come up. Um, Shane's our worship and prayer associate here in Carm Money. So um, Shane, thanks for being here. So Shane's going to share a wee bit of insight on some of the things he's been seeing through his role, through some of his experience in his life. And um, we're just excited to see what Shane has seen and what he's going to share this evening. So Shane, what about young adults? How are you seeing the broader story in terms of young adults right now? Church engagement, what's important right now? Give us some significant headlines. Yeah, listen, um, lots to say on this, um, but I promise I'll try and keep this really short and pointed. Um, For me, there are kind of two big questions or things in here uh, around young adults, church, and engagement. Um, So for me, I think there's two parts to it. Where are we at right now in the broader picture of the church, and what is God calling us to do? Two parts, naming and understanding where we're at and thinking specifically about what's needed right now. I am absolutely convinced, and I mean this, that this generation of young adults are really, really important in the big picture of the church in the UK and Ireland right now. Generally speaking, we find ourselves in an increasingly challenging faith landscape, which is absolutely marked by church decline and also a growing lack of leadership recruitment and development, especially within denominational churches Specifically within that landscape, the generation that is now least represented is actually you who are in the room. Uh, it's actually young adults, this kind of say tw- kind of 17s to maybe 28-ish group. We know that they are increasingly detached from faith and church, and probably because nominal and cultural kind of religiosity or just kind of going to church or that good living thing has died. My suspicion and my concern is that actually young adults won't find their way back to church as previous generations probably did because actually their initial link to church just won't really be there, won't be as strong. And yet, all the while, this is the generation, this is the next generation of future elders, church leaders, church planters who are vital in in the building of God's kingdom through the local church. And if I'm being really honest, and just this is this is kind of a, a personal comment, I've really struggled with the lack of honesty and transparency around all of that from many senior leaders in churches, and also a lack of healthy and ambitious conversation around all of that. I mean, yes, we don't want to focus on church decline and discouragement, but firstly and most importantly, we do actually have to name the problem, don't we? And we have to allow ourselves to be grieved by it. Because the local church carries the hope of the world and God works primarily through the local church. And so if the church is in decline and if a significant set of generations are not present in the church, we should name that and be grieved by it. But also then after doing that, after almost that kind of lament and real honest conversation, I feel like we need to turn our tact uh, and turn our conversation uh, within this frame of holy ambition. And this is something that Stuart and I uh, and a lot of other leaders have talked about, the need for holy ambition in our leaders, but in our, in our people in churches, and especially among young adults who still are connected. We need to be encouraged by this reality, and this is an incredible principle, the reality that oftentimes you see it through scripture and in church history, decline precedes renewal. Decline comes before a season of renewal. 
And we, and I hope you, believe in a great God who, when sought by a faithful remnant of his people, like who are in the room right now, actually this kind of small, this, this faithful remnant of people who are fully surrendered to his will, who are willing to seek him, who are willing to get really, really hungry and believe that God can actually move, we believe that if that group of people continue to do this kind of thing, that actually God can do anything in our generation, in our day and age. And so when it comes to young adults right now, not too much longer, when it comes to young adults right now, I think we gathered here, every single one of us gathered here as a faithful remnant of God's people, I think we have a responsibility to gather together like this more often, to get really serious about prayer as we're going to do tonight, and also then to get really serious about reaching people with this conviction that actually we are bringers of the kingdom of God, and that as we surrender to the mission of God, that we won't only see a generation reached, but that actually we ourselves will find life and life in all of its fullness. So that's kind of the first thing. And then just lastly, a really practical note on uh, kind of some significant headlines, things that are important for young adults right now. In all of that, I have this sense that right now, a faithful remnant of God's kind of people who are young adults don't need more information about God. We don't need more information about God. Is there a place for teaching? Is there a place for preaching? Is there a place for learning about who God is as we find it in Scripture and as he reveals himself to us? Absolutely. That is important and that is vital. Perhaps some of you here, you know, you actually, you need that in your life right now. You actually need a season of, of trying to figure out, well, who, who is Jesus really? How do I trust the Bible? What's the church all about? Who am I in Christ? Maybe you're in that place tonight and you just need to be really honest about that. Maybe for you, you personally, individually need a season of teaching. But my suspicion is that for most of us actually in the room who are young adults and who have been around church for a long time, my suspicion is that actually we need to focus on practice and not information. Practicing the way of Jesus more and not solely just learning about who God is. Think about it this way um, as I kind of finish up answering this question. Lots of us who have been around church have consumed hundreds of hundreds of hours of sermon content. We have listened to podcast after podcast. We've come to events, maybe actually a little bit like this in some ways. We've been to Christian seminars. We've been to Christian wider events in our own region. We have learned through the scripture about who God is week after week in our home churches. Lots of us have been in that place. But I have a real sense that God is calling us, every single one of us here, to not just learn about him, but to actually practice the way of Jesus. I have a feeling that if we start to focus more of our time on that, that that's the space where our faith's going to really come alive. Practically, what do I think that's going to look like? I think it's about us getting serious about sharing faith in our workplaces, in our universities, having awkward conversations with people about who Jesus really is. Praying with people in gyms, praying, people, praying for people, with people in nightclubs, in smoking areas, in gyms and in bars. Getting really, really intentional with who are we going to reach for Jesus. And perhaps in all of it, being people who actually stand out as listening in the Monday to Saturday stuff. Listening, being really obedient to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. I think if we get to that place, 
God can do anything with us and through us. That's my suspicion of what God is calling us to practically do, um, I suppose, as young adults. And that is really, if we haven't clarified this through any of our communications, through our hosting, through the last couple of events that we've run around Remnant, that is our heart here in Remnant. Yes, to be a space here for worship and some teaching, but actually this space is about practicing the way of Jesus. It's about seeking after the heart of God and being really obedient to the Holy Spirit. And so we hope that as you come to these events, that that's kind of what your sense is. So yeah, that would be my... Honest answer to that question. Amazing. Uh, and then tonight's theme is contending prayer. You obviously have a real heart for prayer. Um, what is contending prayer? Why do you think it's so important right now? Yeah, contending prayer, um, if you haven't kind of followed us on, on social media so far, we, we've talked about our DNA values. We have three key DNA values that kind of are at the heart of, of remnant of this event. And we want these wider gatherings to be a catalyst for this kind of prayer in this generation, contending prayer to mark our time together, both, both yes, uh, among us as individuals when we leave here, but actually together uh, as we're the corporate body gathered. To be really frank, if these wider gatherings as well, if they become like a bigger, wider prayer room, and that's all that we do in our time together, Remnant will be a huge success. That is pretty much what scripture tells us. Remnant would be a massive success if simply we just came together and prayed. I believe, and I know that there are lots of people in the room right now who believe the same thing, that prayer is the first and the last thing that we need to be about in our day and age. Um, contending prayer, though, what is it? Um, I, the question you're probably thinking through is, well, what is contending prayer? You might not have heard that phrase before. It sounds quite obscure, to be honest. It's not a phrase that's used often in churches, is it? I don't think it's our common view of, nor our ordinary experience of prayer either. And so let me try and contextualize it and explain it as quickly and succinctly as I can. I think oftentimes as Christians, um, we come to pray with this mindset of each one of us uh, kind of approaching a powerful and a sovereign God who is on a throne and that we kind of tiny beings kneel down from a distance and kind of just hopefully ask him to do some stuff. From a bit of a distance, a lack of proximity, perhaps a kind of low expectation praying, I think that that's how lots of us have grown up learning about prayer or maybe just experiencing it. All the while in that space with this kind of background doubt that my prayer doesn't really make much of a difference, does it? God's just going to do what he's going to do regardless of what I pray, pray for. I think that's a common experience that lots of us have. So this lack of proximity to God, a one-way conversation with maybe nothing coming back, a low expectation mindset. Maybe God will respond. Maybe he won't. And within that then, I think that many of our actual prayers, if we were honest about them, become reduced to this kind of hopeful shopping list for like God answer just some things that are going on in my life right now. Just kind of step in here, just help me with an exam that I haven't revised for, but I absolutely need to pass. <laughs> you know, guidance with maybe job applications. Many of you are probably in that stage where you're moving between jobs or are thinking about that. Or maybe just for your programs, if you're a church leader here this evening, you know, those kind of just like throwaway prayers like, oh, help us to just lead holiday. Bible Club really well and hope us, help us just to make this event happen and it'll all be really good. Those kinds of prayers, maybe that kind of praying. And while that understanding of an experience of prayer isn't totally wrong, 
it is really limited. And in my opinion, it has some really key negative consequences on us as the people of God. The Bible presents prayer as being so much more than what I've just described, that image that I've just described. Actually, I think it challenges our mindset. For a start, Scripture tells us God is absolutely sovereign, but it also tells us that he has given to us as believers, his children, authority and power in his name, that he deposits power in our lives. And because of that, Prayer shouldn't be viewed by us as this kind of passive experience, but actually we should view ourselves as contenders, as bringers of the kingdom who with God create change in the world. It's a very different type of mindset and view or experience of prayer. This royal priesthood who are called to contend in prayer. What's really interesting, and there's some slides for this just to help you see this in Scripture. What's really interesting throughout the Bible is actually that the Hebrew word for prayer, lots of times in the Bible or in stories of significant church leaders, the Hebrew word for prayer is translated as the following, grappling with, rumbling, fighting with an adversary, striving for agonizing for or contending with. I wonder, have you ever thought about prayer in that way? It's a very different picture than the one that I've just mentioned. We see it in Psalm 55, for example. David writes, evening and morning at noon, I'll pray, I'll cry aloud, God shall hear my voice. The word there actually means wrestling with or contending with. David says, I will wrestle with and contend with you, God, so that you hear my prayer and answer it. Really interesting. Genesis 32, to go a little bit further, Jacob physically wrestles with God probably an angel, but Jacob physically wrestles with him so that God will bless him so that he will be the father of the Israelite people. And actually, Stuart's going to talk about this in a moment or two when I wrap up. He's going to talk about a story in Elijah. Elijah actually says to God, listen to me. And you could look at all the other prophets in scripture, these kinds of almost demanding type language used by prophets. God, listen to me, hear my cry, almost demanding. And so I guess for me, if I could give one analogy or one stronger image that might help us to understand contending prayer, it would be this picture of wrestling. And we talked about this in the office this week, me and Matthew did. So imagine this, go with me in your mind's eye just for a second, nearly there. Go with me. There's a wrestling ring and God is in it and the enemy is in it. In contending prayer, we actually get off the sidelines and we get into the ring as well. Rather than simply just going, okay, I'll get the popcorn out and I'll go to church and I'll just maybe have some throwaway prayers, we actually get into the ring with God and the enemy and we pray some really specific types of prayer. We wrestle earnestly with our sin and our identity, so our prayers become, God, change me, send me first. God, help me to be a bringer of your kingdom. We, we wrestle then secondly with God himself. We ask God to move and to step into situations. We pray, God, your kingdom come in this situation, in this person's life, in this uh, kind of thing that's going on, your will be done. And thirdly, we wrestle with the enemy, with the forces of darkness. And that's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil. And so probably for me right now, as I've been really grieved over the broader picture of the church and of faith decline, 
I am absolutely convinced that we as church leaders, that actually we as a generation perhaps of emerging leaders, of young adults, we need to get really serious about contending prayer, this type of prayer. Prayer that is beyond the kind of one-dimensional me and God thing to actually contending prayer where it is, Lord, change me first, send me, move on your promises, Lord, help us to overcome evil. And to be honest, Stuart's going to mention this. In all of the literature that we find on revival, this is the type of prayer that has catalyzed revival and renewal in the church. And there's countless stories you can find in that on scripture and in the early church and even in our own experience, um, as we're going to think about in a few moments here in our region, this type of hungry and desperate and urgent prayer. And just lastly, to help you really understand this or to leave you with something in your mind's eye to go out of this room with thinking, what is contending prayer? You might ask the question, who would you see contending in prayer? Just thinking about this all week. I think that who you see contending in prayer most is grandparents and parents. So put your hand up right now. Join me. If you have a parent who is a godly parent who loves Jesus, who walks in the way of Jesus, or a grandparent who loves Jesus and who walks in the way of Jesus, join me and put your hand up. If your grandparents or parents love Jesus, I think that you would see contending prayer in their lives because for years and years and years, I would bet my house that they have been praying for you to walk in the way of Jesus, to know who Jesus is, to actually be a bringer of his kingdom. This kind of constant praying in their life, contending for you, contending for your life. Grandparents that have sat up for hours at night praying over their kids, over their grandkids, going, God, move in their lives. Parents who are watching kids, maybe even walking away from church, contending with God, wrestling with God. God, would you move in their lives? God, would you draw them back? I reckon you see contending prayer probably there more than almost anywhere else. Um, so, yeah, I think probably that's my best answer to that question. What is contending prayer? I think that is really what it is all about. Not a passive view of kind of prayer, one-dimensional prayer, but this wrestling with God, this wrestling with who we are, and this wrestling with the enemy. I think if we really start to believe in what the Bible is telling us about that and what God is calling us to in it, that actually anything can happen. And more than that, if you haven't heard a single word that I've said in the past 15 or 20 minutes, your prayer makes a difference. And I think that if we start to properly believe that and walk in the authority that Jesus has given us, I think that we can reach anybody. I think that we can see God's kingdom come in greater measure than we've ever seen it come before. So I hope something of that has answered the question and maybe just stirred your heart towards contending prayer. So yeah. Thank you, Shane, for your insight. Guys, can we give Shane a round of applause?